0: Our scripture lesson today is taken from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Well, uh, there was an episode a couple of years ago, and in fact, I I showed this video before, but it's just one of my uh, favorite things. Garen uh, remembers this from a few years ago. What happened was uh, a squirrel had gotten into that little courtyard area that's uh, in, in the middle of the church grounds, but because there used to be a bunch of vines in there, uh, and the vines were starting to attack the walls and stuff like that. We had somebody remove all the vines. And so it's just sheer walls in there. So this squirrel had somehow come over the roof, gotten into that courtyard, and couldn't get out. Okay, You'd see him try to climb the wall and then just slide back down. you <laughs> would see him climb the wall and slide back down. So we got to have a heart trap. Put it in there. And the squirrel found him the next morning inside the trap and took him outside to release him, but I had to take a video of the release of the squirrel. Just darts out. See, slow motion. (laughs) (laughs) He just zooms out for that tree. I wonder what you do when you escape a difficult situation. What's your response? How many of you have been in a tough time in your life, and when you escaped, what did you do? When you were freed from it, what did you do? Did you seek the familiar? Did you go back to your old ways? Or do you learn from it? All right, Do you reflect on it and think about, You know, what happened to me to you know, what happened to me in that situation? How did I get out of it? What did I learn from it? See, I think that's a piece of what's at issue here. Now the story begins with Jesus traveling in this region between Samaria and Galilee. So it's an area between Jewish territory and Samaritan territory. All right. And as you know through the scriptures, they do not like each other at all. Okay, so he's traveling in this area that's a border area between two groups of people who, who really do not like each other. And, and so it makes perfect sense that in this kind of no man's land area is a place where lepers have congregated so the lepers who are not allowed to be near anybody because uh, for fear of catching the disease are in this area and they're doing what lepers were required to do it says that they're keeping their distance because what they were required to do was to stay away from people and to make sure you didn't come if they were in the if they were near anyone else they had to shout unclean unclean Okay, to make sure that you knew to stay away from them. So this was their existence, was to live only with other lepers and shout unclean if someone was coming. Now somehow they happen to understand who Jesus is and, and what kind of power Jesus has. And so they shout out to Jesus, but staying as far away as they're supposed to stay, they shout out to Jesus, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And that's a, a critical part of the first story, uh, of the first part of the story, where, where they're just asking for mercy. Jesus, please have mercy. And what he says to them is, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now notice, they weren't healed yet. All right, It says, as they went, they were made clean. Okay, So they weren't healed yet. But he just says, go and show yourselves to the priests. And showing yourself to the priests was an act of faith in and of itself because they were still lepers all right and and so he says go and show yourselves and they obey and they begin to go now why are they showing themselves to the priests well there are a couple things here that are a little bit interesting in terms of what the functions are of 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 clergy in different traditions and what even the name priest what it refers to in a lot of ways okay so for example One of the priests' jobs is to pronounce things clean or unclean. So, So basically the priests were saying, you violated a rule, you've touched something you shouldn't have touched, you are unclean for this period of time, after this period of time or when things have cleared up, you are now clean again. That language actually continues into modern Christianity in terms of traditions that use the word priest versus traditions that don't, okay? In, in our tradition, in the Reformed tradition, we do not use the term priest, okay? And one of the reasons for that is you may notice that when we have things, especially in traditional liturgy, like the prayer of confession, the people say we are forgiven, okay? What we believe in what's called the priesthood of all believers, okay? That you confess your sins to God, and you believe, you know, you pronounce your own forgiveness in the name of Christ. Of course, you don't have the power to forgive, only Jesus does, but you are pronouncing that, okay? In traditions where the, only the clergy say, in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven, where it's the clergy who pronounce that you are forgiven and you don't make that pronouncement for yourselves, those traditions use the word priest, okay? Because that's a priest's job to tell you that you're forgiven. Not my job. Not my title, (laughs) okay? It's your relationship with God. It's your relationship with God. You are forgiven through your faith. You know it. You own it. It's yours. You don't need someone telling you that. I teach you about it. That's why our job, our official role in the Presbyterian Church is called teaching elder because our job is to tell you about it. You don't know about it. You don't know about it unless someone teaches you about it. So our job is to teach you about it but not to pronounce it. So, not a priest. But Leviticus 13 is, uh, is full of these things about skin diseases. And so it gets to this level of specificity. See here in Leviticus chapter 13, verse 17. The priest shall examine him, and if the disease has turned white, the priest shall pronounce the diseased person clean, he is clean. The entire of Leviticus 13 is all about different skin diseases and what you have to do. Now, I've never, had a derm- I've never asked a dermatologist friend to read it and tell me, you know, is this, is this actually accurate? You know, is this how this works? You know, I'll, I'll bet it actually reasonably is. But it talks, it, it goes down to things like the color of hairs in like moles and stuff like that. It says if the hair is embedded in the mole and it's white and blah, 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 blah. I mean, it really gets down to a pretty sophisticated level of detail as an instruction manual for how to spot contagious skin diseases. All right. I'm not sure that that will be like your evening devotional tonight, but, uh, but it is interesting to read. Okay. And so the priest has the ability to restore them to resuming their lives. And so they needed the priest to say, You are clean, so that they would be permitted to go back to their families so that they would be permitted to go to synagogue or go to temple again. If the priest didn't give them the all clear, they couldn't resume their lives. But that only works for people who are Jewish. See, the one turns back, the Samaritan. See, they go as a group. As as lepers, they were one group of ten people. They were collectively suffering together. They were calling out to Jesus together. Then along the way, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. And you know, you wonder what's going on at this point. And a piece of it where they say he's a Samaritan is this. Once they're healed, they're not one group anymore. Once they're healed, they're now Jews and Samaritans. See, once they're healed, see, the Samaritan can't go to a Jewish priest. The Samaritan won't be allowed in the temple. The Samaritan can't go with them where they're going. He's going to be rejected if he gets there. So he can't go. He's got nowhere to go. When he had nowhere to go, he goes back to Jesus. The group that had been unified, lost that unity when they were healed. And this is one of the things that can happen. See, sometimes we learn lessons when we go through hard times, right? When we're in tough times, we learn lessons. And one of the lessons that you learn is who your friends are. One of the lessons that you learn is who is going to stand by you and stand with you when you're going through a hard time. And one of the things you have to remember when you get past the hard time is who was with you. And are you going to turn your back on them when things are better? Or are you going to remember who you were with? this is one of the things that I wonder. It doesn't say anything about this in the passage, but I imagine that you know the implication is that nine of them were Jewish and one was a Samaritan. And I imagine these ten going along the road. They had suffered together. They're going along the road. They're heading toward the priest so they can be pronounced clean, so they can go back to their lives. And when the one turns around and goes back, I wonder if the nine even missed him. I wonder if the nine even noticed. I wonder if the nine cared or if they allowed their joy at being healed, the ability to go back to their lives to cause them to forget the person who had been in their midst, who had suffered alongside them. The one goes back. The one who had nowhere else to go. And sometimes... The inability to go back, sometimes having nowhere else to go, can actually be a blessing. Sometimes, when you have no choice but to move forward, that's actually a blessing in your life. And because he couldn't go back, he started to, Till he realized, wait a second, where am I going? I can't go there. He found a new way forward. He came back to give praise to Christ. And that's the thing about being liberated, about being, about getting an escape from a tough situation. The question is, are you going to use having gone through that circumstance to go forward or go backward? What are you going to do? You get through the hard time. You've made it through the hard time. You've survived it. What will you do? Do you re- reflect on what happened? Do you learn lessons from it? And do you then go forward? Or just us say, whew, sure glad I've made it through that. I'm just going to go back to the way things were. I can go back now. Jesus says to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. And here's the thing. He didn't talk about faith before. See, remember what the ten said to Jesus when he went? He said, have mercy on us. And Jesus did. Jesus had mercy on the ten. And he healed the ten of their leprosy. They were healed out of the mercy of Christ. The mercy that Jesus showed them was the reason why they were healed. But now the one comes back and he says, go on your way. He says, your faith has made you well. He was already healed. Remember, he was already healed. There's the difference. There's a difference between Being healed, escaping from the physical or whatever situational problem we have in this world, there's a difference between escaping it and being made well. To be made well requires more. To be made well means that somehow we've changed. To be made well requires that we've somehow been affected by the circumstance so that we are now different on the other side of it. He was a different person now. He was made well. And it's reflection, the act of deciding what it is that I'm doing, what it is that I'm going to do next, what am I going to do now that I've escaped this difficult predicament? That's what turns the hard times into victory. It's not just the escape. It's the lessons that you learn. It's it's reflecting on those things. How did I get here? How did I escape? Who stood by me? What did I learn about others? What did I learn about life? What did I learn about God? What did I learn about me in the process? When you've made it through a hard time, or if you have in your past, can you reflect on it? Ask yourself some really simple questions. What were the hard times that I went through? What were they? Because sometimes in the immediate euphoria of the escape, You just move on really quickly. You don't think about it. But what were the hard times? What did you learn? And how have you applied what you learned? Can you think about that? Can you think about it this week? Think about what have I made it through? What did I learn? And how have I applied the learning? Because sometimes... The best way to express gratitude is through change. Sometimes the best way to express your gratitude for having gotten through a difficult time is to emerge better, to have been made well, to see life differently. So I don't think this passage is about just gratitude per se. I think it's about the particular way of showing gratitude, which is to show it through a life lived differently. Because I don't think it's, it's a story of nine ungrateful people and one grateful person. I think really it's a story of ten who were healed, but only one who was changed. You know, after we released that squirrel, Garen and I had a conversation. Because we were worried the squirrel was going to show up there again. Like... um I didn't know what to use as squirrel bait, but I do remember distinctly it was an oatmeal raisin cookie. We had some lying around from coffee hour, grabbed an oatmeal raisin cookie, put it in the have a heart trap, and it came and it went for the cookie, we released it. So the question was, when it got out, because we released him right outside, what was he going to remember? You know, so he could remember the oatmeal raisin cookie, (laughs) and say, "All I have to do is climb up the wall, jump off the tree, over the roof, go down that side, and there's oatmeal raisin cookies there." Because you know what, he would have gotten another oatmeal raisin cookie. (laughs) Okay. So that was the question: Is he gonna get? Another oatmeal raisin cookie is, is, is what lured him into the trap in the first place going to bring him back? Is whatever it is that got him into the courtyard in the first place going to bring him back? Or did he learn from his experience? And the answer is, we never saw him again. We checked for days. We looked in that courtyard to see, is there a squirrel frantically trying to get out of this courtyard? We checked every day couple of weeks to make sure that he didn't come back. Be the squirrel. Learn. Don't go back for the cookie, okay? Don't go back for whatever it is that got you trapped in the hard place in the first place. Learn from your hard times, and you learn by reflecting on them. Learn. Remember who your friends were. Remember how you got out. Remember the grace of God that helped you escape your tribulations. And then don't go back. Be changed. Be the squirrel. Amen.